I'm Arie Schwartz, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats. We bring honest and critical analysis. This week, it can't get any crazier. I got a great guest. You might have noticed our intro was slightly different than it normally is. Before I intro our guest, I'm going to give a shout out to Eli Horowitz, somebody who's been a uh, a, a co-host of mine on the show for the past year uh, since the since last season. Eli just accepted a position with the LA Sparks as head of their PR and communications. We want to give him a huge congratulations. Uh, but that doesn't have much to do with the amazingness of the week or my very talented uh, guest this week, Pat Ralph. Pat, say hi to the folks and give me your initial thoughts in two words of the first weekend of WNBA basketball 2018. Hey, Ari, thanks for having me on. It is awesome to be here. I know I cannot stack up to the uh, space and voice that Eli provide here, but I will do my best. Uh, it's great to be on with you. Two words. Uh, I would say really fun. It was a really fun start to the weekend, I would say. How about you? Uh, I'd say exciting exclamation points. So I guess technically that's three, but still. Okay. Okay. You well, know, you it's can a, it's a simple in a word. Yeah, yeah simple in a word. There you go. So let, let's let's break down this weekend, all right? Yeah. The weekend starts Friday the 18th with a, a highly anticipated matchup of two colossals of the league, all right? We have two of the best bigs in the league facing off the Dallas Wings versus the Phoenix Mercury. First half went back and forth. Great game. Mercury ended up pulling it out 86-78 over the Wings. But And we're going to get into more of this. But something that stood out from that game to me was – just how mobile Liz Cambage was. Um, her ability in the first half to shut down Brittany Griner and really just have her way offensively was something way beyond anything I expected. Did you have anything that you took from that first game? This, I mean, ignoring, I know Mercury's your beat, so, so you might have a little bias here. But was there anything in that first game that said to you, hey, well, the Mercury is starting off 2-0? Well, Ari, it's perfect you said that because actually, you know, I wrote actually a little bit something about it after the game on Friday night. Um, I was covering the game first and stuff. And you made a great point. Liz Cambage, you know, hasn't played, hadn't played in the WNBA game since 2013, back when the Dallas Wings were known as the Tulsa Shock. So it's been a little while. Um, the six foot eight, you know, Australian came back over. Um, and she, as, you, as you mentioned, she played really well. I mean, she was, I would say, the better big on Friday night and stuff. I mean, she came out scoring immediately, you know, from the start, like you said. Um, clearly, Dallas, uh, from the opening tip, was going to make an, an initial um, impact offensively to get her going. They were working the offense through her. Um, you know, she was just dominating the glass against Griner. You know, just she got Griner into foul trouble. Um, she had, I think she finished with 14 points so at the half. I've got it pulled it up here. She finished in the first half with 14 points on six of nine shooting. She just um, Dallas was outscoring Phoenix twenty four to eight in the paint in the first half. Um, they were out rebounding Phoenix twenty two to twelve. They were just behind Cambage. They were completely dominating Phoenix down low. That's what was really powering Dallas. But Dallas was actually not winning at the half uh, because really, as we will get into, and if you will, I'll send this back over to Ari. After really was outside of Cambage, no one was really stepping else. Uh, else was stepping up for Dallas. Meanwhile, while Griner was not having her best opening night, Diane Tarazi had 20 points in the first half. Dewana Bonner, playing in her first game since 2016, um, was really making an impact on both ends of the floor. And obviously, she's been she may be that third wheel for them and be that third piece that they need to get over the hump this year. 
Um, and really it was just the Phoenix supporting cast that kind of picked up the load from Griner and carried them forward the rest of the night. Well, exactly. I mean, first of all, we, we'll, we'll get into each team, so I don't want to harp too long on this, but Bonner is such a key addition to this team mm-hmm. and, and underrated about the success of the Mercury of having uh, have had in the past. And, and we'll, get, we'll get into that when we get into the Mercury. Sure. Moving on to Saturday the 19th, the Sky took on the Fever um, in, in a battle of, of two teams that we picked uh, as our staff polling to not make the playoffs. We're not going to dive too deep into that one. But uh, an 18-point win for the Sky, 82-64. And then moving on to Sunday, the day that was dubbed WNBA All Day. Sunday the 20th. It started off, you know, with the Fever in D.C. and the Aces in, in, in Connecticut. And it was, for, for Aces fans, it started off and you're like, wow, you know, the Aces are going are gonna to pull off uh, like the Golden Knights and just have an amazing uh, out, out season. Uh, expansion season, if you will, and the Ace, the Sun just and once they got going, they just they just trucked them. A final score of one hundred one sixty five. Then moving on to DC, the Mystics battled back and forth against the Fever in that game, but finally were able to pull it out eighty two seventy five. Then moving on, the Dream and Dallas. So Dallas get their second game, and the Dream, a team that was that was really spoken a lot about in the, in the regular in the preseason and the off season. Final score of 101-78. Dallas routes the dream. So, so that's going to be a topic we touch on. Then the Sparks in Minnesota with probably, well, not probably, the highlight game of the week. And Sparks pull it off on a last-second shot. We'll get it. I mean, that, that's enough on its own. Uh, 77-76. The Liberty lose in Chicago, 76-80. And the Mercury beat the Storm, 87-82. So Pat, real quick, let's talk about Sparks. Yeah, I think that's a good a place minutes. to start. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm, and go, they're going back and forth. Uh, we'll start it off with Sparks don't have their best player in Candace Parker. Mm-hmm. A lot of hype was made about that. I know there's a lot of rumors out there. Oh, she did. She didn't want to play because of the ring ceremony. Come on, get real. <laughs> you don't wait. You don't wait that many years in the off season. Yeah. Or that many months in the off season to then go. I get a chance. Like. First of all, yeah, she might be pissed about that, but let's be real. One, Candace Parker is not the type of person, from my understanding, who's going to sit on the sidelines and go, I'm mad about something, so I'm not going to play as a statement. No, she would get out there and play one of the best games of her career if she could have played. Right. Second of all, if you wait that long after losing in Game 5 and you have a chance to get back there and show the world on ESPN2 that, that the Game 5 was a fluke and they mean business this year, she'll be there. I guarantee that it was not her choice to sit out. I guarantee that this was a coaching staff and a health uh, uh, and and the medical staff's uh, decision for her not to play. So let's move past that. Chelsea Gray with a great circus shot at the end uh, in a response to Lindsey Whalen. And what I saw from the Lynx was some honestly really bad shooting. We didn't see them really get enough touches for Sylvia down low, which was odd because Candace was out. Yep. My question to you is, I mean – do you think that this was more of a trying to test the bench this game? Um, because I, I just didn't see, I was confused. I, I, I was just confused by, by the coaching calls that were made throughout the game by Minnesota. Right. So you first bring up a great point, Arya, And I, I agree with you on that is that I've always, I've been saying now, I've said this last season and I say this 
going into this year, and we saw it again yesterday, is and you mentioned is that when Sylvia fouls, when they are not getting the ball into Sylvia and they are not going, the offense is not going through her. The links are not at their best offensively. That is what I have seen and what the, the numbers seem to back it up and stuff. Like it is, they are not their best. Maya may be their best player, maybe their best overall player, but in terms of like what gets them going offensively, it's Sylvia. And if you remember last year going back to the finals in game one, Sylvia was like a non factor. And then game two, Cheryl made a, a adjustment right away and uh, starting off right in game two, they went to Sylvia. And you saw yesterday in the fourth quarter when the Lynx made their run and it looked like that they were going to over – they obviously took the lead back and it looked like they were going to win. It was because they were getting the ball down low to Sylvia. So, number one, you make a really good point there, Arya, that like when they are not getting the ball to Sylvia, I don't think they're at their best offensively. Now, you also make the other good point here, which we have talked about, and I know that you and Eli would talk about it on the podcast as well before, is that we've said that we think the, weak, the weakest link of the Lynx this year – is going to be that bench. You know, it was, I think it was pretty obvious to me watching that game yesterday that they really missed not having the likes of Renee Montgomery or Gia Perkins or these players, these role players who come off the bench and give them a spark and some extra minutes, you know, whether it be scoring or good defense or rebounding. That was what was so great about that bench was that with those championship, you know, last year and in 2015 and the other past championship years is that they've had players come off who know their roles and come off and play really well. And obviously, I mean, I know you've been a, a skeptics, I guess is a kind way to a gentle way of putting of the, the Danielle Robinson trade yesterday. She puts up a minus nine or plus minus two points, three turnovers, doesn't give them what they need. Um, it just felt like they, that the links have a very strong one through five, probably the best one through five in the league. But after that, there's a lot of question marks and, and that could be like you said, like we've said before, and kind of getting to what you're saying, that could be the um, the the difference if, God forbid, you know, the Sparks and Lynx meet again this year and the Sparks are able to get a rotation going off that bench and stuff for their own. It could be a difference. Well, and, and that's what I'm thinking. You know, I don't like to be like, oh, I, I got this right. But right. look, the Lynx bench struggled. Mm. They struggled handedly. Um, Lynetta Kaiser, who, who was probable – got some minutes in and out of the bench. I mean, look, Lynette Kaiser and Alexis Jones led the bench in rebounds. That's ridiculous. Now, I'm also going to point this out. I'm, Simone Augustus had a very off game, and so did Maya Moore. I said going into the game, and I agree with you, you got to get the ball to Sill and then, and then move it around from there. They weren't getting her enough touches flat out. Mm-hmm. But Maya and Simone were just having a really off game where they just were not shooting well. Um, it took a little bit for Lindsay to get going. But again, for me, I want to see Alexis Jones be getting more concrete, solid minutes. I know she logged 15 minutes in this game, which was more than Robinson. So I'm hoping that's a sign. I just, I saw a lot of weaknesses in it. Um, as far as what I'm thinking, I don't think another team in this league starting five can match up against the Lynx starting five. And that includes mm-hmm. the Sparks. But what I will say is the Sparks kept bringing in and have a much deeper roster this right. year. But something I really want to talk about, Gray got oh, yes. so much better. Gray was just having yes. her way out there. Well, she's a phys- she's a big physical guard, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, if you're talking Chelsea Gray dropping 18 and Odyssey Sims dropping 21, right. and then NECA's also putting up in double digits, right. how are you going to stop that? They have that guard combo. And now the biggest weakness that the Sparks have offensively is their best defensive threat. 
Yeah. Elena Beard. Yeah. So if you're sitting there and you're going, all right, we just came off this game and we win by one, Beard has zero points on 27 minutes. Yep. Zero. All right. But on the other hand, she's normally tasked with taking out Maya Moore and Maya had a bad game. Right. Do you consider that a win or a loss game for Elena Beard? Not, I mean, obviously no points is going to be something, but still, you know? Right, right. So obviously there's no points. You look at that, the the first, and you make a great point there, Ari. If you just look at that specifically, you're going to go, oh, it looks like a rough, she had a rough night. She's the only, she finished, you know, plus minus, she finished minus one. Um, she had four fouls. She was 0-4 from the field. You know, you're going to assume that, okay, she probably didn't have a good game. Um, but I'll, let me use an example here to, uh, to s- support why, as you mentioned, because she's assigned to Maya, like, as I said, she's not out there to score. And you made a good point that when you have Chelsea Gray and you have Neko Gumake and you have a healthy Candace Parker, and then when you get, you have an improved Odyssey Sims out there, you don't need her for offense. It's kind of like, and again, I know one thing we try to do on here is we try to stick strictly WNBA. I'm just going to use a quick reference from the NBA here just to explain what I'm with Elena Beard with the Golden State Warriors if you watch them a lot of times when they play well Draymond Green does not have these great statistical does not fill up the stat sheet but he will play incredible he plays incredible defense he takes the other team's best defenders a lot he's kind of the rover and does he sets the tone for them defensively so a lot of times people see his box where it's like oh he only had six points or like five rebounds but it's like no it's like that's that goes for Elena Beard you know, you may not. She may not have the marquee numbers that Chelsea Gray or Odyssey Sims or Neko Gumake or Candace Parker are going to finish with, but she does the little stuff that doesn't show up in the box. Whereas he said she's taking Maya Moore. She they don't need her in there for offense. And it's like you said, I take it as a win. I, I think going back to the top, what you said here, you know, to go. I thought I thought when I heard that Candace was not playing yesterday, I thought it would be a win for Minnesota. They're getting their rings. They're at home. Um, that they, you're, they're back in the, the, their normal arena after being out of it last year. I, I just, but, but, answer, but Pat, answer me this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You're, you're going, you're going into this game. Mm-hmm. You find out day before, I believe it was yes. that their best player isn't playing. You're getting your rings. I don't want to say that, you know, that, that throws a wrench in a wrench in the plans, right. but like to me, to a certain extent that kind of throws you off, right? You're excited mm-hmm. for that rivalry or that, you know, you expect one thing, and then a player who brings a lot of their emotion right. is is missing. Right. Uh huh. I agree. I yeah. How does that, how does that affect both teams? Yeah, I think. Well, I think number one, and I've and I saw this, and I'll give two examples. If there are people out here that say that this game didn't mean anything to the Sparks, that's a lie. I mean, there's two examples. Number one, there was a video that came out last night of Candace Parker celebrating like she had just won the lottery when. She saw Chelsea Gray hit the shot. There's a video. I think the WNBA put it on their actual social media account. It's out there. Trust me, it meant a lot. And number two, I I don't know what reporter had it, so I will not. I don't want to uh, miscredit who gave it, but I did see this on Twitter that a reporter who was at the game covering it yesterday said that there was a lot of uh, hooting and hollering and celebrating in that Sparks locker room after the game. So that came in, and it's like you. So going back to your question, Ari. The Sparks came – they came with an edge. It clearly meant a lot to him to come in there and ruin that because of – obviously there's a rivalry there and these teams don't like each other. But I think you make a good point. Like I think that these ring ceremonies playing, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot to be going on. There's You're getting the rings. You're starting a new season. It's this awkward limbo because you're looking back at 2017 while moving on to 2018. 
I think it's a lot of emotions and a lot of like I've seen in, in, in other sports in years past, like teams that have these ring ceremonies, they, a lot of times they don't win on the nights that they have this because there's all these emotions and, and there's just a lot of, a lot going on. So I, again, I don't think it's a, again, like I think, Oh no, is there, is, is, is this a, a problem that we have with the links? No. Again, I think the bench is something that's a concern, but I think it's a lot of just like, okay, like the sparks, the sparks, you know, as I said, they came, they were, you know, you expect the links to bring the same, but the sparks were clearly, um, they were motivated and they wanted to win that. And that meant a lot to them yesterday. Yeah. And, and that can't be overstated. I think something that I found really interesting in all honesty, and maybe my true colors are showing, I think this is beneficial for both teams and hear me out on this and then we'll move on yeah. to another recap and then, and then Western conference first. Sure. But for the links, you come into this and you win the game and you're like, yeah, we're still on cloud now. We're still the best team. Now, again, I'm not saying, you know, they're vets. They have that savviness. But for the Sparks, they had that fire. They wanted it. And, and it meant even more that Parker wasn't in the game. For the Lynx, that's that's demoralizing. To lose in front of a 13,000 crowd, you know, and, 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 and on their ring night and Parker's missing, all of that piles up. Right. I think... Next game, you're going to see a ridiculously focused team. Also, 12 turnovers in each half. That is not Lynx basketball. Yeah. All right? That, that, that is, you know, that's Chicago Sky basketball. That's not Lynx basketball. Yeah. So, so we're not going to see much more of that. So I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with that team. Enough about them because there's other stories in this league. Yeah. Something that I think that's noteworthy, and we're just going to highlight this, and then we're going to move on to the West. So we'll give two minutes to this game. Mercury Storm. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. were you able to catch that game? I did. That game was fascinating. Um, I want your quick takes on it. Well, Brittany Griner showed up to play. Brittany Griner, we, mm-hmm. we let off the podcast here with the fact that she didn't play her best against uh, Liz Cambage and the Wings in the season opener Friday night. Last night, she came out, and clearly from the get-go, uh, Phoenix made an effort to get her going. Um, she was active from the start. Uh, rebounding, Aria, I know you are a critic of her on the boards. She got her double-double last night, 29-10. and 10. Um, mm-hmm. a- Another great game from Dewana Bonner. I, um, again, can't say it enough, and you said it before. She's had, so far through two games, she's had the highest plus-minus on the team of any player. She's got a combined plus 18 through two games. It's really impressive. So, Ooh. yeah. So um, she led the team in, I believe, assists. I've got it up right here. She led the team in assists and steals last night while also scoring 12 points. She did a little bit of everything. And last night, Diana Tarazi, she put up 12 on three of eight shooting. So it wasn't a great night for her after the record-setting night uh, against Dallas when she had 26. You know, for me with Seattle and stuff, and I, I'm curious to hear what you think quick about this and stuff is like, and you can give your overall thoughts about the game, but like, Seattle, I get frustrated with sometimes. I'll be honest. You know, they have a lot of talent. And I was saying this to someone last night. I was like, shouldn't they be better? You know, shouldn't they be better than than what we're seeing? You know, like than what they are. I feel like there's just something missing. Am I wrong with that, Arya? Shouldn't they be better? You're not wrong at all. I mean, I, I've, I've been a key, a key component or whatever you want to call it. Freeze that. I have been in a strong camp that has said from day one when this new storms this new storm team w- was created the lineup should be Natasha Howard and Bree Stewart as your starters in the bigs mm-hmm. 
You know, like I, I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't. And I saw that late in the game getting honest minutes and that made me so happy. Also, I want to give a shout out to Dan Hughes doing an educated, smart play late in the game. You, or when, when they're down by, uh, I think it was like three or they're down by two yeah. or something. You make the, you make the, the, the easy bucket and then the foul. Yeah, they were down three, easy bucket foul, and then you get the ball back. They get the ball back, it all works out, and then, and I'm I'm praising Dan Hughes all game, but then he has the rookie, Jordan Canada, on the inbound. Right. Now, one, I, I'm not a genius, but you don't put a, a rookie on a on the you know the last play, game winning play on the inbound. Right. Two I don't know. I'm forgetting. I'm blanking on how tall she is, but get someone taller. I would put Stewie right. there. Stewie gets the inbound. Worst case, you kick it back to her, and she nails the shot. So, so to me, that was the biggest thing, but I'm with you on that. I think too often people are trying with Seattle to go with a, a stereotypical uh, big next to Stewie, and I don't think that's the right move because, for me, Stewie has such length, and I, I do. I got to move on. I'm going to foghorn myself. Um <laughs> But Stewie's ability to, to lock down Griner late in that game, or even in the second half of the game, something that both of us have been, uh, Eli and I, when Eli was on the show, talked about a lot. Stewie does a lot of research and does a lot of film study and understands the tendencies of the players she's going up against. And she might have not had her best game in this game, but Stewie's one of the best players when it comes down to locking down Griner. Uh, so I do want to give a shout out to her for right. that. Right. And, you know, and we said, we, and I know we want to move on, but like, I was really, I, I, it's, you make a good point. You brought that one to just highlight what you said before earlier is that Natasha Howard, first game with Seattle, she played really well tonight. You know, I mean, last night, excuse me, 14 points, um, gave them a great contribution off the bench there. And she was, and she was on the floor there in crunch time at the end and stuff. So really good to see that. And you never know, Ari, you never know, maybe they'll make a lineup adjustment you may see her get moved in and stuff. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But I, I just personally, I get frustrated when I watch Seattle because like they have Stewie. Obviously, Sue Bird is still, you know, obviously she's not the the same exact player she once was, but she's still a really fun player and a good player. Um, Jewel Lloyd is a, a great player too. And I just get frustrated because they have a lot of talent. It just seems like it's like, oh, there's something missing there, you know? I, I, I would love to see them. And I, this happened late in the game. Um, and I have love for other players on this team, but I would just love to see this lineup just for fun. Howard at center, Stewie at the forward. Mm-hmm. All right, then then you throw like Lloyd at the three, Canada at the two, and Bird wow. at the one, or so, like something like how yeah. fun would that would lineup be, fast. be? They'd be fl- it would be fast. You know, Sue's just like throwing the ball around to all these shooters and all these people who can create. And then Natasha Howard has shown she can be a paint right. presence. So we're getting too tied up. It's a team that, that really drives attention. All right, Western Conference. Let's start it off with your team, the Phoenix Mercury. They pulled off two really good wins, yes. all yep. right? And we I say good wins because look what Dallas did mm-hmm. to Atlanta. You know, quickly, what's your thoughts after two games about Phoenix? Are they who you well, thought they were? So or are they I better? think when you came in the city, you said, okay, do you think Phoenix wins both these games? I would say yes. So I think they did what they were supposed to do. They win at home, on their home floor. They're a better team than Dallas. I think we can agree on that. They're a better team than Seattle. Them and Seattle have this. I've always said this. They have a little rivalry going. I mean, they played in the playoffs last year. I feel like every time they play in Seattle, it always comes down to the last possession or two. 
Um, they've got a little rivalry, but they are the better team, and they obviously beat them in the playoffs last year at home. So Phoenix took care of business. But the thing that stood out to me, we've mentioned a little bit before, you know, Tarazi had the big night on Friday night. She made the 1,000th career three-pointer. She had 26 points. Um, last night was Brittany Griner. You know, as I mentioned, the double-double, 29-10. I've mentioned before with Dewana Bonner how she's really st- st- standing out to me so far as really the third wheel who's really going to be could be the X factor on both ends of the floor. She can rebound, she can defend, she can score, she can she can distribute, she can do a little bit of everything. But the one thing that is different for me that really is standing out is that this, and I, I'm curious to hear what you think on this, is that this is the best defensive version of the Mercury that I have seen so far. Now, they played much better defensively um, on, uh, they played defensively well both nights, but they played especially really well against Dallas. But Defensively, I mean, if you look at that starting lineup, you've got Sancho Little and Brienne January, two players who have been, I believe, named to the all-defensive team six times, which is, they got that's pretty good. Um, Brittany Griner, who's been Defensive Player of the Year before and has been on all-defensive teams. And Dewana Bonner, who's also, a, as I mentioned before, she's a long defender. She can guard pretty much any perimeter defender. She's, you know, she's probably their best perimeter defender um, other than Brienne January. So, I mean, Tarazi, as we all know, is is a as I like to say, turnstile on defense. Um, that's that's just her thing. She's an offensive player. So yeah. you have you know, and every team has it. Not every every team has their weak spot, and that is going to be so helpful because then they can hide to on when they're on defense, they can hide Tarazi on a team's worst offensive player, and they've got four players in crunch time who can guard anyone. What do you think? I, I got to agree with that. The The beauty is, is that later in the years of her career, I'm not going to talk in her early years, but Tarasi has become a turnstile in some effect. Now she's still logging 31 minutes in that mm-hmm. Seattle game. Um, you're right on point. When you have the ability to have Tarasi kind of step back and say, I, I can trust my players. And that's kind of what Bonner mm-hmm. did in the past. Let's not forget about it. It's so underrated how much this team has missed her. Um, and what I'll say is is more so, and and I've been hype on on uh, on the coaching yes. of Phoenix. Sandy Brondello is an amazing coach. To me, you go into the half against Dallas, and Dallas probably wins that game. If if you put you know a gun to my head at halftime and said who wins this game, I have my mm-hmm. money on Dallas. You know, Griner wasn't working that well. Tarasi had some moments, but you know you can't necessarily rely on her to carry the team as far as scoring. But the way that they shifted their style and obviously adjusted their game plan, we didn't see right. from Dallas. And that speaks again to our questions of Dallas's coaching. But that said a lot to me about Phoenix's ability to adjust. And then we saw really smart, educated, vet-savvy plays late in the game against Seattle. So I, I got to agree with you on that. Um, moving on to the Sparks, and we're just going down the Western Conference. They win with such a lack of depth. They have Wait, I mean, they had nine players on the roster for that game. And something that I noticed that to me stood out, something that I've been insanely critical of Agler about, is his use of the bench. I'm just going to yep. run this down on you. All right, they had, they had nine players on the roster, so that's four bench yep. players, all right? Samuelson logs 13 minutes. Pondexter logs 10. Raquana Williams gets 17. And, and Weiss mm-hmm. only gets two. But, I mean... That's an insane amount. That is un, unheard of in, in the, the Brian Agler LA Sparks right. era to get four bench players that right. many minutes. Over 30 minutes, right. over 40 minutes. That's for huge. bench players. Come that on. That is such a good point. Because I remember, 
you go back to the finals last year, and really the only two players he was bringing off that bench were Lavender and Carson. He was that was a tight rotation, and that was the difference. You know, remember, you know, Cheryl would go go deep into the bench, and that's obviously something that might be a little bit different this year. But I mean, you know, he would he was I mean it was he stuck to that that starting five last year and would not you know go very deep. You know, he said play really just two players to come off the bench. Yeah, you get a few times here and there where you get someone who would, um, uh, you know, he would maybe bring in someone else like a Requina Williams or somebody else. But other than that, like, no, that's a hundred percent RA. That's a huge change, um, and that's going to be interesting to see. Like, is that something? And obviously, the f- face of that is Cappy Pondexter. I mean, she's going to be expected to be the number one person to come off that bench and stuff, be the spark plug. I know she's 35 now and she's not quite the same player she was in her prime, but she was my pick for sixth woman of the year because I think, you know, you're in a situation where she's going to be able to, she's not going to have to be the number one scoring option. She's not going to have the pressure on her to put, you know, take care of everything offensively, but she can come in as a role. She can heat up real quick, get a few, you know, score for them, but she didn't have a great game yesterday. She, you know, as I said, she finished with a minus nine, only two points, not a great game. Um, but I think that, like you said, that's a big change with Brian Agler and stuff. Good point. Yeah, I mean, for me, Cappy, Cappy's a weakness. I mean, she's she's a strength in many ways. I got to take that back. She's not a weakness. But I don't right. see Cappy helping them beat the Lynx or teams in the playoffs. I see Cappy coming in very, very powerfully and very positively, you know, against uh, the Sky in a rivalry game, against Atlanta, against some of these younger teams. But coming up against against Minnesota or against uh, Connecticut, I don't necessarily see her be, being that 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 oomph that really takes him over the mount. Now, LA in our in a, my power ranking coming into this week or after yesterday is number one. So don't get me wrong; this isn't a hate on her. But like you said, she was the only player on the bench who had a negative plus minus. So yeah, so, something to think about. And then when you get Vidiva and Lavender and Parker back. That's going to be a huge upswing. So it'll be really interesting. I hope, you know, for the sake of, of good basketball and for the sake of the Sparks just wiping the floor with some other teams, I really want to see these bench players get time. And and as we heard at Media Day, uh, you know, Agler did say he expects Vidiva to be part of the rotation. Now, what that means in, in Agler's world, I don't necessarily know, but I will say that that is something to focus on. Now, moving on to the Dallas Wings, one of the most intriguing teams all I can say to start is Liz Cam Beige. Oh my God! How she's she's yeah. too, I mean she's doing the Texas two step on these people. <laughs> You're 100 percent right, Ari. We talked about that a little bit before. I mean, she was so dominant against Phoenix on opening night. As I mentioned in the first half, Dallas was pretty much just you know they were running the offense through her. They were establishing her from the start. Um, she had 14 points on six of nine shooting. Um, she was clogging up the paint. She was playing great defense. I mean, that was the other thing I forgot to mention earlier. She was doing a great job. I mean, Phoenix was just staying away from driving. She was deterring, um, you know, anything coming close to the rim because she was blocking shots and just her presence alone was impacting that game. Now, Phoenix, as we mentioned a little bit before, made some adjustments at halftime. They took her out of that game in the second half. I mean, she didn't have any points in the third quarter. She scored four in this in the fourth, but at that point. Um, Phoenix had established themselves. Griner had played better. Uh, but then, you know, she looked really good yesterday against Atlanta. You know, her and Skylar Diggins-Smith have a little bit of a, you know, one-two punch going here. 
Um, yesterday, she played even better. She finished 21 points, nine rebounds um, on eight of 11 shooting. Um, so far, Liz Cambage is uh, letting people know that she is back from Australia. And I am really impressed with that. And Skylar Diggins-Smith, you know, it seemed like the first half against Phoenix on Friday night, she was out of it, just not playing well. And since the second half on Friday night and then into the game yesterday against Atlanta, she's back to her all-star self and played really well yesterday. She didn't play great against Phoenix, but she played really well yesterday. What do you think, Arya? I'll, I'll step it up even a step further. Skylar Diggins-Smith, last year, I was big on this. She should have been in the MVP discussion. Um, I think there's way too many, way too much politics when it comes to the MVP discussion in this league. But she 100% should have been a part of that. She was killing it. She was, I think, the only one of two players who was like top five in three different categories uh, of the major stats. But I also want to give a shout out to, uh, to Kayla Davis, who, you know, logging yes. 15 points, yeah. 28 minutes, a plus minus of 27. Okay, I'm just going to drop this on you also. Uh, Krima Christmas Kelly, plus 12. Diggin Smith was only plus nine, but drops 25 and six from six from the three throw. And Kayla Thornton coming in and filling in for the injured Glory Johnson played lights out all day. Now, I'd like to see a little bit more from, from my girl, Azra Stevens, but we'll see what we can get, you know, moving on. The hype train has not stopped. The unof- we are all aboard. The unofficial, uh, you know, sponsor of the Azra Stevens is WNBA Insider. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The unofficial sponsor for the Ezra Stevens hype train is WNBA Insider. Catch us each week as we will be catching up about her. Um, <laughs> moving on to the links. Uh, I, I don't know what the, the PC, the proper way of putting this is, but, yeah. but that Lynx bench is stinking up right now. Now, this was something that I spoke about early on, and it's interesting. With Minnesota and L.A., they have, they have two very different ways of going about this. The Sparks mm-hmm. got some young players. So obviously the Sparks are a much younger team. But the Sparks don't go into the bench. The Lynx go deep in the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just running down the numbers right here. Tanisha Wright logged 10 minutes and, in, in, in my honest opinion, looked awful. Um, she hit an early, uh, an early three, but you can't rely on that. She went one for four, one for one from three, four points. Uh, she was negative 11 and at times just looked lost and couldn't get in there. Danielle Robinson. To me, she had her speed back. She was looking real fast, but she couldn't finish because she was too. It was almost like she was still in that mindset of she couldn't be that fast. Um, Alexis Jones logged in 15 minutes, the most out of anyone on the bench. Only two points, one for two. I'd like to see her, but she, uh, excuse me, she pulled in three rounds. I'd like to see her get a lot more minutes. And uh, Temi, you know, I really want to see her take a step up this uh, this week or not this week this year. For you, who's what do you need to get confidence in this Minnesota Lynx bench? Obviously, they have a great starting five. So for me, the player that I've always I see a lot, I saw signs in, and then I'm expecting big stuff from at least I think to make the next step is Alexis Jones. I mean, last year in the finals, uh, especially it was game three or four. Correct me, I, I just remember it was one of the road games. It was definitely game four because that was when they won. Um, in Los Angeles, she came off the bench and gave them a nice spark when they needed it. No pun intended, a nice spark. Mm-hmm. Um, but she came off the bench, hit a couple threes. She's a, gr- a really good shooter. I think that she's the one that I'm excited to see. I mean, I know Wright 
She's really um, she has the potential to be a, a good defender off the bench. She's the person who can come in and really again guard the second unit's best player, can guard the best players' uh, opponents' best player from their first unit when they come back on the floor in the second quarter and stuff. So you have that. But for me, I'm most excited about Alexis Jones. I see a lot of excitement for her, and I'm, I kind of when I saw that R- Renee was going, and they've obviously made these other moves with players retiring and stuff, and you know swapping some some older bench players out for some fresh new phases. The first thing I thought about was, um, was Alexis Jones. This is kind of Cheryl Reeves saying she was kind of, and you saw she got the most minutes of anyone off the bench yesterday. She didn't have a great game. She only, you know, she didn't take any threes, unfortunately. Uh, and she was a minus seven in the game, only two points. Um, and one of, on one of two shooting, but that's the player for me who I see like, damn, like that's somebody who I'm excited to see what she can bring and stuff. And you're right, Arya. They need this bench to produce because that's been the key for them on these championship runs over the last seven, eight years. And that's what they're going to need if they're going to knock off the Sparks or not even just the Sparks or whoever they face. Because as we saw this weekend, we have some very good teams that are going to make their voices heard. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, let's be honest. I I shouted out Maya Moore. I think she's going to win MVP. Also, side note, City of Minneapolis – Get your shit together and get that giant poster of her, the MJ poster, whatever it is, the Wings poster, back on the side of that building. They already took it down because it was a pop-up. Come on. They already took it down? They already took it down. What? I thought it was permanent. No. So it's a space that's often used for for billboards and for other stuff like that. It's right by the Target Center. It was really cool. They only got a permit for a pop-up poster. Ah. Guys, that's guys. That's most fun. winning Minnesota sports team in Minnesota sports history. Get it together. I'm a, I'm gonna have to make a call. Yes. I know a couple of council members in St. Paul, so maybe we'll get it up in St. Yeah. Paul. Um, Alexis Jones. I'm just gonna call it out there. She's the only player on this bench right now that you know I could see breaking into the starting lineup. Now, but pump your brakes before you start freaking out, Lindsey Whalen, Lindsey Whalen. <laughs> What I'm what I'm saying is is Alexis Jones brings something into this lineup that, for lack of a better example, Renee Montgomery did. That she, you, if you needed to, you could before you you start taking out your starters, Lindsay. You need to get her out for a little bit, get a little jolt in the arm, a little adrenaline, a little scoring. No offense to Lindsay, you bring in Alexis. She can be that spark plug. I see big things for her, and I hope big things for her because if not. Uh, it's going to be a struggle, even though, I mean, to be fair, in this game against the Sparks, the Minnesota starting five struggled handedly. Uh, we don't need to get into that too much. The Storm. We talked about this. Dan Hughes is someone who we're still trying to get a lay of the land with. You know, the teams that he had in in San Antonio were definitely not as talented as this Storm team, mm-hmm. but he never reached that pinnacle of success. Right. For me, something that I've, I've noticed a lot was – People use Brianna, ah, Brianna Stewart to hedge. Stop. One sec. Something I've noticed is they use Stewie in hedging way too often, especially with her ability to lock things down. There's a couple takes where where uh, Griner got some daggers at the end of the game, and it happened because Stewie was hedging out. And I understand if you're going to hedge with a big in this league, there's not many who are better than Stewie. But when you have her who is – I mean, uh, uh, Natasha Howard can do great things, but Stewie is such a lockdown defender. 
I just don't like. I, to me, it was a bad look to have her hedging out uh, towards towards the three point line late in the game. Yeah, I agree, Arya. I mean, she's obviously she had a great game, twenty two and fifteen. She's a great player, but and I said this before earlier is that I just I get frustrated when I watch Seattle because there's a lot of talent there, and I like I love Stewie's a great player to watch, and obviously, as I said, Sue Bird is not the same Sue Bird, but she's still a really good player, and Jewel Lloyd is a She's a great scorer, and I'm really I think the Jordan Canada draft pick was really good. And they got Courtney Paris this year in the offseason. They got Natasha Howard, and they brought back Crystal Langhorn and stuff. So I saw like a lot of like positives. Like okay, like yes, this if they could just put this together, like this is a really a really fun team. Like they got a lot of fun pieces. But there's just something, it's just something missing. Like Seattle, that could be such a a tough place to play. That could be you know that arena up there gets raucous and stuff, but. It just doesn't feel like that, and I feel like it just gets frustrating. It's like there's a lot of talent there, and it just there's something missing. But for me, um, I, I just was like you said. I, I just felt there were a lot of they were they would they would get back into the game. They tie the game last night, and then they would make a mistake here. There are de- a defensive lapse almost any time they needed to stop. Phoenix was able to get a bucket because of either just great ball movement, great play calling, and really just sometimes, as you mentioned, Seattle just defensively would just make a mistake. Yeah, and and it was it's really frustrating. You hope, you know, at at what point can we sit here and go, Stewie and Lloyd are no longer these super young players, and we have to expect more from them. Granted, I mean, it's been a carousel of of coaches that they've had. I'd really like to see them have that growth every year. I feel like I'm saying this that they could be that young team that really steps up and, and has a big growth season. But you know, well, we'll see. We're we're moving on now to the newest team in the league, the Las Vegas Aces. And I think the storyline, the headline to me reads, they're weak without their overseas stars back. All right. We're expecting a lot more to come from them when they can get people back, when Mariah Jefferson can get back in the game, when some other players, I mean, they have an array. Right now it's basically like the New York Liberty, the Bill and Beer Liberty, Liberty whatever you want to call it, make up your own. <laughs> there we go. Um, what are your thoughts there? I mean, like, all right, Tamara Young had a great game, and I, I was pretty hyped on her going there. Uh, Carolyn Swords, 13 minutes, 0 for 2, 0 points, 6 rebounds. I mean, just come on. Uh, I, there's just so many questions. I didn't, I, I, I didn't have anything answered in this game, I guess, is a good way of putting it. Yeah, it well, as someone Aces. who follows the Liberty very closely in the New York area and is very familiar with Bill Lambeer and what he's uh, – done over the last couple of years. I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'll save some of those for another time. So I'll stick to this game, but let's be alluded to a lot of it there. You look at that starting lineup and you've got three former Liberty players that are come either started or played in the game and stuff. But you look at, you know, for this game. Um, and for me, as we've talked about before, most of our staff, myself included as you are, it was as well. We're not expecting the aces to go to the playoffs. Yes. There's a lot of excitement and intrigue with the fact they're playing in Las Vegas right now, yes, they got Asia Wilson. They have some nice young players like Mariah Jefferson, who didn't play, or Kayla McBride. Or there's some players there that really get you excited. Um, but you know, other than that, we're not expecting this team to get the playoffs. But to go in the opening game and not just get blown out, not just lose, but get like shellacked by 36 um, by Connecticut, and Connecticut's a great team, but to get just absolutely run off the floor in your first game is just 
It, it's just unacceptable. It, well, it's just answer me this. Isn't Bill supposed to be a defensive specialist? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And that was what was shocking to me is because his team's obviously in Detroit when he won those three titles. And even as 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 recent as last year, the Liberty teams have always been great defensively. They're great rebounding teams. They're great defensive teams. They play slow as a snail on offense. They are brutal to watch offensively. It is not something you want to show, uh, you know, your kids at home. But it is, it is. But like in terms of the fundamentals, otherwise they're very good fundamentals. They're just offensively. They're one of these. They're and you saw this last year in the playoffs with the Liberty is that when they aren't making their shots, they just totally implode because they don't have. They're totally dependent. So that's what. Yeah, I was very disappointed by that. You know, often I wasn't surprised they didn't play great offensively. Um, obviously, they rebounded the ball well. Um, but to defensively, you're just, you know, Connecticut's a good offensive team, but to just let them run amok offensively and just play no defense at all was just, it was just disappointing. And, and, and again, we can have a whole podcast talking about Bill Lambert's coaching. I can, we can, you and me, we could fill that up and the rest of our staff could as well. But it was just, I was just disappointed that you go out in your opening gate and you lose by 36 you give up 101 points on the road, lose by 36. It was just, just bad, just a bad look. Yeah, and, and it's been, it's definitely going to be a storyline that Bill Lambeer is not known for transition basketball. And when you have a young, quick, exciting team, which a lot of the players on the Aces fill that bill, um, pun intended. Um, you're, I, I'm just interested. I'm, I'm just, I'm excited to see what happens there, especially when they get their new players in. Uh, somebody that I'm excited about, we're not going to talk about her because we want to get a little bit more, but someone who had a really good start to the season, Jisoo Park, who really hustled to make the Aces roster. There's a lot of stories about it, but I just want any WNBA fan needs to pay attention to her because she can ball coming over from Korea. Um, keep an eye on her because she might do, she might uh, shock some people who, who don't know who she is. And that is what we got for this week. I'm Aria Schwartz. Got Pat Ralph with me. It's been the WNBA Insider Show. We covered topics. This was the Western Conference and a recap of WNBA all day. Tune in later this week for our Eastern Conference breakdown.